0: I see images, they're coming through, loading so fast, and the scripts too. And I think to myself, what a performance! I see a web page formatted right, just a few fonts. I think to myself, what a performance
1: sign.
0: Welcome Welcome to Tools Day, a podcast about tech tools, tips, and tricks. Um, Usually on Tuesdays, usually at 2. I'm your co-host, Yuna.
1: And I'm Chris.
0: And today we're talking about performance Performance.
1: tools. And tricks.
0: Tools and And tricks and tips. (laughs) Uh, So today we're doing one of our, each of us picks X amount of tips and tricks to talk about. um, And the number of the day is four each. So we're talking about our top four favorite um, performance tips and tricks and tools and things. (laughs) Yes, Amazing! It's
1: uh, quite succinctly put, if I do say so myself. <laughs> right, very okay. succinct.
0: Right. <laughs> um, before the show started, I was I was telling Chris like we probably have the same ones. We should probably like collaborate here, coordinate. And he was like, No, we're not going to have the same one. So we'll <laughs> see. We haven't shared yet. Um, do you want to go first?
1: Yeah, sure. I'll go first. Okay. So my number one performance tip and trick. I wish I had a drum roll. I need a soundboard. All right, thank you. Perfect. <laughs> is code splitting. All right, so what is code splitting? Mm. Uh, when you hit a website, and if, if it's a single-page application, oftentimes what will happen if you open up your you know, little web inspector and t- check number tab, you'll see that the web page or web application is in fact loading all of their JavaScript at one time. Um, they're using Webpack or Rollup or some fancy web bundler, and they feel super cool as they're developing modules, and they have this one single file that drives the entire application. And what happens is that this file becomes quite large, and sometimes you'll see that it's over. A, it's massive. It's like a megabyte large. It's your like, entire what?
0: application.
1: <laughs> uh, hello, um, <laughs> what are you doing? And so. Uh, an easy way around this is code splitting, and with the advent of Webpack 2, it's become super easy. Um, Webpack 2 enables dynamic imports, and so in your ESX code right now, when you import a module, you say, import module name from module place, um, and that's how you do it normally, and to dynamically import your code, you do the exact same thing, except write that import statement in the middle of your code. Um and so say you you uh, you do a click event or something you click a button um and it's supposed to load something load your, your JavaScript right there and say import my new module and it returns a promise more or less and once it's finished you can load you can actually go on and do your, the rest of your code um and webpack will go through and interpret this as I say, okay hey, I need to create a new JavaScript file for this specific part of the application and it will only load the main one at the main site and load the following ones dynamically. That's why it's called dynamic import.
0: And with uh, HTTP2, you're sending asynchronous requests, so you're not going to have the same problem that you went into earlier, where you'd have to wait for all these requests to load.
1: Right. And it's there, there'll be much smaller files, and so there's kind of this nice give and take between having one large file, which does a bunch of stuff, and then having smaller files. And so they have to, you have to strike a balance, more or less. And so if you can kind of ship... Only the functionality people need when they're there, um, you're going to get the best performance bang for your buck.
0: So is this kind of like loading JavaScript when you're hovering over a button that's about to trigger the action the JavaScript is going to be needed for?
1: Yep, you can do it that way. Um, it can be, It's basically anything you want, wherever you want to chunk it, basically. Um, wherever it makes sense. Um, one of the best places you can do it is with your routes. And so if you're using like React Router or any type of client-side routing, you can just chunk your routes. And so in React Router, you know, you have this great uh, little route nested tree thing uh, to declare your all, your all your routes, I guess. I'm saying the word routes a bunch right now. <laughs> um, but what you can do is that in there, there's a little component prop where you say, uh, load this component at this location. And right there, you can write a higher order component more or less to uh, asynchronously load that component only when the user goes there. Um, and if it uses the, the dynamic import syntax, Webpack 2 will say, All right, this is a separate JavaScript file I need to make. Uh, um and then <coughs> my throat <laughs> Dying. Oh no. Um, and we'll only load that file when you hit that route. And okay. so
0: question. How are, how answer. in the like template are you saying that this these are all the JavaScript files you need to load? Or is that inside of like a it's small a web- component template?
1: So so um what happens is that um you have your main JavaScript file, which Webpacket creates, and in there it has a logic to, to know when to load the next file, more or less. And so if you hit slash my new route, um, there's a logic behind there inside the main JavaScript file that says, okay, when I navigate to slash new route, um, load this next JavaScript file.
0: Okay, so your main JavaScript file becomes more like a controller. It becomes more like your um, main SCSS file, which is just importing all the things. Right, yep. Theoretically, not not it, how it works. But they, like. Yeah, the,
1: theoretically, yes, kind of. Uh, but asynchronously on the fly, and it's a really easy way to get a huge performance win because how cut do you cut down your app size um, using that import statement. So you know, in Webpack 2, the import statement can be dynamic and it can be part of your code. Um, and I'll drop a link to how to do this with React Router. I've kind of seen a bunch of different ways people do this with the React Router, and one of them is much harder than the other one. And so I'll link the easy one. Um, okay. And um, yeah, and it's it's a super straightforward way of making smaller file sizes, which is a huge, just quick performance win.
0: Very cool, that's a really good one to start the show off with. All right, I will go next, and I will talk about CSS performance, um, specifically the will change property for animated elements. So will change basically allows the developer, you, to tell the browser or the user agent that this property, this element, is going to change on the page, is going to move on the page, or is going to change in shape or form. And will change will allow for that to then become composited and will allow for GPU rendering of that element when it is interacting. So it renders faster and allows you to create that like 60 frames per second animation um, on your page. And the way they implement it is in CSS, you use will change as a property identifier, and then you can set the keyword to like, whatever property you're changing, are you changing the transformation, like that would be will change transform, or will change opacity, or whatever you, you can specify. And it's better to be more specific here, because there are some caveats to using will change, like you don't want to use it on all the elements, because that will take up a lot of your machine's resources and like battery drain. So especially on mobile, this can become problematic. Um, And, like, you just need to think about the cost-benefit analysis of, like, your um, animations or interactions on your page and the resources of your user system. So this is beneficial for performance. And if you use it sparingly, it's really good for your site. But, like, don't throw it in everything and just know that it exists instead of, like, that null null transform hack that people used to do for this kind of um, stuff.
1: Yeah, so I used to use Transform Z zero or something. That's that's the hack, um, yeah. Okay,
0: <laughs> <laughs> it does the same thing because it like composites that element, but um, you don't have to hack it. It's 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 there for you to use. Support is pretty good. Internet Explorer isn't supported, but Edge and all of the latest versions of every other browser, even Safari, Chrome, whatever, Firefox. Um, they've been supporting it for a while, so you should be pretty good to go as a progressive enhancement to use World Change. Nice.
1: Um, I'm I'm really excited how the browsers are actually all matching parity now, in general, for the latest you know latest CSS stuff. So which is yeah, like when Grid so came cool out see.
0: within two weeks of each other, all of the browsers released either implementations or announcements that they were working on it. So that was yeah. just like oh, all the hard work and you now it's finally out, and I just get worked <laughs> up whenever we talk about Grid. <laughs> <laughs>
1: all right okay so uh my number two trick is again with webpack and it's now a compilation of three different cool things you can do with webpack to uh help your performance out um the first one is with webpack 2 there's now a built-in performance budget little warning flag and so it will basically you can set some parameters you say i want to warn at this size of a file more or less and um when you build your webpack file or you build your bundle webpack itself will say hey by the way you've broken your budget um warning warning right and it's a good kind of a heads up way to be cognizant of the file sizes that you're creating as you're coding your work um that's number one number two is related to the first thing i was talking about and it's called the common common chunks plugin um and what this plugin does is you just add it into the plugin section of your Webpack com- configuration. Uh, what this plugin does is that it basically goes through all your different chunks of code. And so if you have like 10 chunks of code now, because you've been code splitting furiously because you're a smart developer, um, <laughs> it says, it says, all right, I see, you're you've Chris made, <laughs> you're Chris I see you've made a ton of chunks of code, but wait, do any of these have anything in common? And so it'll go through your chunks of code and say, okay, if any of these have uh, things in common, like the same modules, group them together, make one common chunk file, um, and have the browser load that file instead of you know, loading each file individually. Um, this is basically a big caching benefit. Um, so if you have the same functionality going around, you don't need to load separate files. It's a nice, quick win. Um, so
0: this is a plugin for Webpack that you're talking yes. about? Yes.
1: Right, and so if if you're in Webpack, there's this in the big long configuration section. Uh, there's the entry, the output, you know, um, rules, and then finally, there's plugins, which change the functionality of Webpack and how it builds your files. Um, and plugins are really the reason why Webpack is so amazing. So you know, you can use Rollup and build a smaller JavaScript file, but if you're building an application, these plugins make Webpack so useful. Um, and the last plugin I want to talk about real quick is called Offline Plugin.
0: This is
1: like 3-in-1. <laughs> I know. This is my 3-in-1 one. one. Uh, my Webpack performance one. Um, it's called Offline Plugin. Um, and it basically enables service workers and app cache on your on your application with like zero work. Wait, what? Absolutely. Tell yeah, me more. <laughs> you, like, you just like load the plugin into your uh, little Webpack plugin list. You have a one-liner in your, in your uh, JavaScript app main index file. And then you have service workers. That's all you have to do. And so it, it basically kind wow. of... Um, Wait, analyzes... what?
0: Yeah, Cause it, cause it... You just got a .js file and then it's like pre-set up for you?
1: Yeah, basically. Everything's set up for you. It, it analyzes basically your your bundle and says, all right, you want to you save all your chunks. You want to save your CSS files. Here you go. Um, and if anything Webpack touches, it will cache for you in the service worker.
0: Okay, Chris, I need you to create a boilerplate for me with all okay. these things. <laughs> Great.
1: Okay, well, we'll do. I'll send you a we'll little comment. We'll share Drake it file.
0: in the show notes. That's how I'm going to make um. him do it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so offline plugin is amazing. It's super cool. Just a reminder, if you want to use service workers, you have to use HTTPS. Uh, don't like throw it into your application. I switched load it up my
0: on <laughs> website to HTTPS so I could use service workers. <laughs> yeah, it's service workers Which are is good to have anyway
1: they're amazing. If you have your 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 application code split and service worker, service worker? Uh, uh
0: ser- worker <laughs> Service worked. Service uh,
1: you are going to have super fast load times because your users will just be pinging the cache every time all these small javascript files and it'll be great.
0: Wow. Okay. All right. Awesome. There you go. I love it. I'm excited <laughs> for the boilerplate. Um, I feel like webpack is not difficult to use once you have it set up, but just like Getting yeah. around the initial setup can be a little challenging. Oh, yeah, yeah, The setup um,
1: itself is just a pain.
0: Yeah. So, okay. So the next performance trick slash tool slash item that I can talk about is the picture element. Um, picture element is really awesome. It allows for you to send multiple sources. So you can use a source set, much like the video element in HTML, um, to send different images based on uh, queries that you can make to your user's Device, so you can do media queries in the image itself, um, and that way you're never sending an image that's way too big for your user's screen. Like you're never sending these massive two thousand pixel retina images to mobile devices. You can query within the picture itself in your HTML and send the correct size. Um, I think there's also a pixel aspect ratio uh, query that you can do, but I could be wrong. But I think you can. Um, But regardless, picture element is super cool. Also has really good support um I, I again, I don't think i e supports it, but Edge definitely does Firefox Chrome Opera Safari they all do, so you can use this as a progressive enhancement or you can load this in if you have your page like generating images through like a Ruby script or some other templating engine. You can use a conditional to put in picture if browsers support it um but it's just really good because those images are the biggest thing that your site is sending like chris is talking about all these awesome script optimizations which are super important but like these images are going to blow away any script optimizations and just making them smaller and making them the right size for your user is going to make a huge difference in your performance
1: i think i11 actually does support the oh, picture element yes um
0: i lied um, i'm sorry i'm not sure
1: it, well it does or if not you can always use the picture fill like a polyfill that the uh
0: yeah, there's a tiny polyfill. It's like six kilobytes big, like gzipped. It's really small, and you can definitely use that across browsers. According to Can I Use, it says IE11 doesn't support it. Okay, well, but, mind, then. <laughs> but Edge 13 does. So yeah. Um,
1: okay, super cool. I love the picture element.
0: And we'll put um, the picture element and the polyfill for it called Picturefill in our show notes.
1: Sweet. All right, my last two aren't as cool as my first two. Um, All right, so uh, my next one is um, dealing with event listeners. And so when you're building your application, oftentimes you'll have to listen for a scroll event or a resize event. Um, And if you use those things directly, what happens is that the browser will fire the event over and over again as you you resize your browser to a tune of like too many times per second, more or less. And you'll start seeing jank in your code, especially if you're trying to relay out things um so instead you should use this great thing from lodash or really anywhere else it's called debouncing your your events Uh, and what that means is that you you only fire your events once per x amount of seconds more or less and so if you you if you have a resize event um instead of after every resize event fire it after fire it fire it after uh 200 milliseconds or something like that um, so instead of having to go over and over again and cause this jank, just do it once. Um, and that's been one of the biggest boons I've seen for, for performance with JavaScript events, um, especially resize. Um, my other one with, with events is that you should delegate your events. And so if you're from the jQuery world, uh, we used to use this thing called dollar sign dot on. Um, <laughs> it was a great thing. It was so useful. Um, but the cool thing about dollar sign dot on was that you could actually attach an event to a parent selector um, and basically listen for the child to be clicked um, so you attach all your events to some sort of container elements and then it will just watch for what's actually being clicked and it only fired on um on a, on say a button as opposed to anything else um, and what this does is that you can, only, you can add basically only one event listener versus fi- adding like 10 different ones for each button inside this container um, wait, wait, wait. So Why would
0: you have to add ten event listeners to the button?
1: Okay, so let's let's say you have, okay, let's say you have ten list items, right? Yes. Um, and each list item has a click event. You, if you click the list item, something happens, right? Sure. Um, so you want you want to target each list item, right? Okay. So one way of doing it is to add an event listener on click to each list item. And by the way, this is super not accessible. Don't add, don't add click events to your list items. <laughs> don't um, do that. It's
0: just an example. <laughs> you have <laughs> list items <names> with <laughs> buttons inside of them, and you're adding yeah, right. an event listener to the buttons inside of your list item, <laughs> inside of right. your unordered list. <laughs> yeah, okay, right.
1: So you have, you have these 10 things, and you want to add an event listener to each one. Each, you want to add a click listener to each one. Um, if you add one to every list item, that's kind of an inefficient use of memory in your JavaScript application. Um, so instead, of you add it just to the uh, UL element above it and say, watch for any click that happens inside this container. If it matches a specific list item, do this thing.
0: So don't add it on like a for each button in list item. Right. Add it for a single element's children.
1: Exactly. Yep. Cool. Um, And it's kind of a way to make, you know, a quick JavaScript memory performance boom. Nice. Okay. Done. My spiel.
0: Okay. Um, (laughs) My next one is called cssstats.com. And it's a tool that you can use. It's a website that you can use to go on and paste in your URL or even just CSS file. And it shows you how massive your CSS file is. It shows you how many fonts you're using or loading, how many colors you're using. It shows you how um, how your, uh, what's it called? The specificity tree is just like all over the place. So it's a really good way to kind of regroup and reevaluate your CSS and then use that as a basis for going in and fixing a few things. Um, Your last one reminded me of something, so I'm just going to throw it in there because you threw like (laughs) three into one. So so you can calm down. Um, You were talking about events, and so I I remembered um, inside of Chrome DevTools, this is not to do with events, but it is to do with like flashing of different elements. So there is a rendering tab that you can create next to your console inside of DevTools, and you can enable paint flashing and also a frames per second meter. Um, while you're scrolling so that you can visually see where your site is slow, um, just where the interaction of that site is slow. And I find that really useful for when you're doing animations or developing um, initial like layouts to run through the FPS meter and run through the paint flashing. Um, and then that kind of goes in tandem with the will change element for the animation. That's when you know when you should implement it, um, where things are kind of like recalculating that in places they shouldn't be. Um, so, yeah, just inside of Chrome DevTools. I'm sure other browsers have equivalents. I just don't know them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Every now and then, I, I try my best to use a different Dev Tool, and then I'm like, that's fine. I'll just go back to Chrome. <laughs>
0: I enjoy using Edge. I really do. And I enjoy using Firefox for a lot of things. Today, I couldn't do a payment form in Google Chrome for some reason. I had to open Firefox. But I got to say, like, I just always go back to what I know. And what I know is Google Chrome DevTools. I don't know what
1: the issue I have with Firefox is but whenever I'm in Firefox something goes wrong I'm like why am I even here I'm I so will say sad. that I only <laughs>
0: use Firefox to debug grid CSS grid in Firefox is so good because they have like the column view and you can see uh, the um, the rows and the columns inside the grid and edit them in the browser Chrome hasn't done this yet like if I live code inside of the browser Chrome will break but Firefox will work so there's like a little fun fact
1: <laughs> okay alright alright some you know Firefox tidbits,
0: yeah, all right go for your last one. Okay, you're my and last hopefully one. Hopefully it's no, one not eight.
1: <laughs> it's, it's just one Okay, okay, so it's um, it's just with um, It's a quick trip trip allow well, uh, quick tip when you're trying to manipulate the DOM in JavaScript um, some uh, An issue I'll see sometimes is that when people want to add a new element um, Or add a new like Table for example want to add a bunch of table rows, they'll go in and add the table row directly. So they'll add the table the row, the row, the row, the row, the row, and and then end the table. Um, And so each of these actions affects the DOM directly. Um, And what happens is that if you add things to DOM like that, you're triggering a a reflow or a paint every time you add that thing. And so what you want to do instead is group these together in one document fragment. And so JavaScript and HTML has this great API for you to use uh, called document fragment and create document fragment. So that you bundle up all these kind of uh, DOM additions and just do it once at the end. Um, and so if you do that, you it's kind of an, similar as the event debouncing. You'll see, you'll see a quick win because it's just that much faster for the browser to do.
0: That's a really good one. I didn't know about that. And that's something that we all do pretty commonly in our UIs. So yeah, It's
1: one of those things that I, I didn't do for a while. And then someone was like, hey, by the way, Chris, you're messing this all up right now. I'm like,
0: oh, no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's a really good tip. Okay, what was it called again? It's uh, called um,
1: Document Fragments.
0: Document Fragments. All right, awesome. I need to look into that later. Okay, my last one is probably the most effective performance optimization tool that I can think of, and that is image optimizing. Optimize your images. Never put an image on the web that hasn't been optimized. Image optim always and often. These are some keywords i throw. <laughs> You know, just like feel free to take any of those and run with it. Like embrace the image optim. Um, I, I expect you
1: know to have like a poster back in your office. You know, always and opt-in.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Image optum always an opt-in. I'm totally like trying one to those, make that like, work.
1: World War II propaganda posters.
0: It's one of those things I put in a talk that I was I was like introducing image optim, which is the tool that I'm talking about here. Um and I put up like, you know, IOAO Image Optim always and often. And I thought it would go over really well. And people were just like, what is wrong with that <laughs> woman? <laughs> really? I'm just, I'm stunned.
1: That sounds great. It sounds great.
0: <laughs> yeah, so we're gonna make this happen. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Um Image Optim is my favorite image optimization tool because it allows you to just visually drop files in or folders in and see the changes trickle down. It's like magic. And this is a really good tool to share with entire design teams, with people who are maybe like recruiters that are once in a while adding people to your like about page and they don't want to go into the terminal and go through image magic CLI. Like you can just give them a GUI to work with. Like that's really cool. They don't need those other skills for their day job, you know? So this is a really accessible tool that I think is super useful and makes a giant impact, like massive, um, I remember one time when Yarn came out, Yarn came out like a year mm-hmm. ago now, and I was like, I want to help contribute. And I was on this like, in, like optimization kick, and I just took their assets off GitHub, and I ran them through ImageOptim, and it saved like two megabytes. It was massive. And I don't know, they had already been optimized. Like they had thought about this, but... <laughs> Um, running them through image optim this time, again, like you can rerun things. It was a huge yeah. savings for users. It was like, oh. Huh. So that's why I say it's something that everyone needs to know about and everyone needs to do. You can set up other image optimization things. Like you can set it up in your dev tools, in your dev environment, like through Gulp or Webpack even, I'm sure. Um, you can set it up through a CLI. But the best one is just to see those savings in ImageOptim. <laughs>
1: Image option, always and often.
0: Yes, making it happen.
1: This is the title of the show. Image it, it,
0: it should. <laughs> all right, thank you so much for joining us. I thought this was a really good show because you gave all these tips about like events in your UIs, and I gave all these tips about like the like page loading and like DOM visuals of your UIs. So like that was a cool little little play, a little, uh,
1: <laughs> a little bit you know diversity in skill sets or. Uh...
0: Yeah, no perspectives, okay. <laughs> you know, various perspectives yeah. on building yeah. for the web. Um, yeah. So if you enjoyed the show, if you learned anything from it and are taking that to heart, if you're image-optiming always and often and <laughs> sharing the love, <laughs> feel free to um, support us on Patreon. That's how we justify making time for the show, <laughs> really. Um, we really appreciate your support. If you want to check that out, it's patreon.com slash toolsday. Um, also, we have a Twitter account that you can follow for updates. It's just Tools Day, Toolsday, T O O L S D A Y. Feel free to send us song requests, topic requests, any, <laughs> just chat with us about your life. It's cool. Um, and yeah, we'll see you next time.